When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Uriah here tonight. No Chris. Sadly, I think his heart is probably broken after game five and probably couldn't make it. No, in all seriousness, no, though, he could not make it. Probably uh, if I had to guess, he didn't tell us, but my guess is either co- probably college doing a film because you know that's how that's how Chris does. But Uriah, how you feeling? Listen, the Sixers can't keep putting me through this. Uh, it's like being scarred over and over again in in a sports relationship. It's it's really sad and it's frustrating. Is it, it is our fandom of the Sixers like toxic? Is it like a toxic relationship? I. I, I don't know if it's that so much as there is a curse on this franchise. I really believe that. Yeah, we'll definitely save that for another. <laughs> podcast. I'm curious yeah. why you think that or what made that curse happen, but we'll we're gonna save yeah. that for another pod. That's okay though. But you're right. Let's just jump into this, okay? Let's jump into game five. Let's get our feelings out there because this is gonna be an emotional podcast and not in like the matters. Oh, oh. thirty-five point, just demolished they annihilated us so bad lucas that doc was empty in the bench for what eight minutes left in the fourth seven i think it was seven but Uh, yeah so yeah 120 to 85 you watched it and i don't know what your expectations were but i know it wasn't anywhere close to this so the sixers got routed let's talk about the blowout Uh, a few team stats i can go over the Sixers shot 36 percent I think that says a lot in and of itself. Uh-huh. Check this out, yeah. Lucas. They took a total of 85 field goals. They yep. made 31. Miami took 84. They took less shots than the Sixers. They shot 53%. Three-point shooting, look, they both shot almost the same amount. The Sixers only made four less. But the bottom line is the Sixers, they had nothing going. They could not hit the side of a barn, at least most of the players. But – uh, let's talk about the offense, Lucas. What do you think of the offense in that game? You're right. This is the first time during this postseason. I'm not going to say for his career because I can't remember last year. But for this season, this postseason, this is the first time that Tyrese Maxey scored under 10 points. He went 2 of 10. You can't have that from arguably your third or even second best player. Nanny Green had his moments. I'm not angry with him. Um. But I got to talk about – let me just start with the starters first, okay, because I'm going to get in, I'm gonna get to the bench here in a minute. 
But I, I'm going to say this. Um, Joel Embiid, shooting-wise, had a solid game. But aggression, it wasn't there pretty early on. And, I mean, certainly after he got hit in the face, which I don't think was malicious. No, I don't think it was. Um, I, I, you know, he just kind of lost it. He, he probably, if that was a regular season game, you're right. He wouldn't have played the rest of the game. Right. I, I honestly, and I don't think he should have, honestly, at that point, mm-hmm. he just seemed out of it. He, you know, he had some really bad turnovers and it just like, he had, I mean, he only had two turnovers, but they looked bad and just like, he was lethargic. Like Bam Adebayo had his way against him. Well, we know that Joel's better than that. Yeah. So, like, I'm just kind of like, what's going on here with Joel? And then Harden came back down to earth. I'm honestly, but the thing that's worries, more worrisome than the points, you're right. He had the same amount of turnovers as he did assist with four. Mm. And that's then, scary. That's and scary. then, you know, we praised Tobias for being the super efficient scorer that he is as the fourth option. You're right. He won four, five of 14 for 12 points. So, I threw that out there. What are your thoughts on the starting five looking at that game now? Listen, it, the effort was bad. There was no hustle. It was sad that not only did Maxi not even get to 20 points, which is what I think he's averaging in the playoffs, but nobody. It's like 22, I think, yeah. Nobody on the roster, not even Embiid, got 20 points or higher. I, I look at Embiid in the first half. He he definitely seemed a little off, and I think that's when he got hit in the face with the ball. He got hit in the second quarter, I think. Right. Yeah, but when he yeah, came out though, after halftime, yeah. he seemed aggressive. He seemed confident. He seemed comfortable. But nobody the else of, was there. Right. The, nobody else was. The one thing that frustrates me is Danny Green's. You know, which Danny are you going to get each night? The one thing yeah, about Tobias. The one thing about yeah. Tobias is that you know he's been consistent all series, but. You never know what you're going to get with Danny. And and my thing with Danny is he tries to do too much sometimes. He tries to throw lobs or he throws, like, passes. He can't make an entry pass to save his life. And I'm thinking, dude, did you not play at North Carolina? Did you not get a fundamental uh, training of, of, of Let, Let's basketball? just think about what we did with in San Antonio. He played with Tim Duncan, <laughs> one of the best post players. Like, he knows how to. I think just maybe that arm's a little off at this old age. Who knows? That that could be it. And and how about Niang? Didn't even yeah, score. You know, yeah, I'm, I, I was going to get to the bench next. I, I was just digging into the starters right now. But, yeah, let's let's get to the bench here. You're right. He, Niang, non-factors, zero of six. Paul Reed was the only bright spot off the bench, and he had seven points and eight rebounds. Like, that's it. Um, Thibault didn't do much besides mm. hit a three. Yeah. Like, his defense was not existing. He had the worst plus minus at minus 15. Yeah. Nick Milton tried to be aggressive, but honestly, my a little bit too athletic for him to really compete on the inside. He was two of eight. Corkma yeah. has got all of his points in the last, like, seven minutes. I don't count that. I mean, props to Jaden Springer for making more, getting more minutes in the postseason than he did during the regular season. Um, but yeah, and Charles Bassey, you know what? He did okay. But like, how about, over- how about Paul Reed giving him some some credit? I think he's the only player out there in that game who had heart and was not afraid to to just take it to the rack. And quiet as Kev, he has some nice agility moves 
when it comes to his layups. Like he, he gets mm-hmm. the ball in an awkward position, but he finds a way to to make it. And you know, he's still rough around the edges. He has a lot to learn. That one but, turnover by Caleb that he had the ball stolen by Caleb Martin was not pretty, but yeah. It wasn't, but it just seemed to me that he was the only player out there that just wanted it more than anyone in Miami. Well, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to completely crap on Danny Green either because he was the only efficient shooter, I mean, besides Joel, but, like – He took four shots. Yeah, but but he kept the Sixers in the game in the second second quarter because without those, you know, two threes in the second quarter, it would have been a lot worse. They got – he got them within nine, I think, at halftime. So, like, he was a big part of that. I'm not going to completely crap on him, but then he got quiet in the third and fourth, and I'm just like, what the heck? But, yeah, no, I think you're right. Paul Reed is probably my, you know, Sixers MVP of the game. If I'm going to give the Sixers player an MVP, it would probably be Paul Reed because he actually tried. So let, let, let's talk about defense now. The, the Sixers, they gave up a lot of assists. They gave up 26 assists. They got out-rebounded. Just talk about the defense in this last game. Well, the the rebound goes back to Joel. Joel, first two games since coming back, he was pretty active at a double digits rebounds. You're right. He had, he played 33 minutes, had five rebounds. Tobias Harris played 33 minutes, only had three rebounds. Those are your two best rebounders. James, I think Paul Reed came away with the most rebounds. You don't want to know who the second leading rebounder was behind Paul Reed with eight. Uh, James Harden. Six. I was going to say. I was going to say Harden. Yeah, James Harden was six. Not not a good sign here. Not a good sign. And, like, here's the thing. If you look at it, Miami's, like, bench, per, like, their main two bench scores didn't really do anything crazy against the Sixers. Uh, Victor Oladipo only had 10, and Tyler Hero had – I mean, sorry, Victor Oladipo had 13. Tyler Hero only had 10. Granted, limited minutes, but, like, I mean, like, we even got – Scored on by Hayward Highsmith, former two-way player of the Sixers, now on the Heat. He had two three-pointers which in a single game, which I'm pretty sure is more than he ever had with the Sixers in a single game. Um, like, And here's the thing that defense and, you know, Doc Rivers and Joel talked about this post-game is that, especially Doc Rivers, Jimmy Butler has been too comfortable these last couple games. He had... 23 points in 35 minutes. The really efficient shooting. Jimmy Hunt Butler, who was horrendous from three-point land all season long, decided against the Sixers. He's like, nah, let me turn back the clock and actually light you guys up from three-point land. Two of four. Had nine rebounds, six assists. Like, P.J. Tucker had seven assists. P.J. Tucker had seven assists. Like, the thing is, the Sixers weren't active defensively. They didn't care on defense. Like, that... That made it like they weren't getting stops. Yeah. That's the thing. The heat shot, what was it? 30, 53%, almost 54% from the field and 39% from three. But let me go, let me go back to what you said a minute ago. You said Butler looked too comfortable out there. It's because he's too good. There's nobody in the Sixers. Even Embiid cannot slow down Jimmy Butler. When he is locked in, and he feels like his team's back is against the wall. He will do everything in his power to draw fouls, mm-hmm. post up anybody, shoot threes, like you said, which is out of character for him. But check this stat out, man. The Sixers only forced 11 turnovers, and they got nine points off of those. You want to know how many points that that Miami got off of turnovers? First of all, um, they, they uh, got 16 turnovers from the Sixers, and they got 23 points. 23 yeah, points. That, that makes a difference. The easy points make a difference here. 
And he, here's the other thing. There were only three players on the Heat that had more than a single turnover. That was Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, and Jimmy Butler. They're three highest use players. Usage players. Like <laughs> But like at the same time, you gotta force easy turnovers. And this was Max Struess coming back out of his shell, by the way. Here's what I'm also gonna say, Uriah. Here here's a hot take here. The Heat right now are better without Kyle Lowry in the lineup. That's not a hot take. I you believe you and I've heard that. I've okay. Heard that. Well, yeah. uh, okay. Well, I think because he's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and like the thing is, is like how the Heat play, they need three point shooters, like pure three point shooters. And Kyle Lowry's good for, you know, what he was and what he can still do. But the thing is, like with Jimmy on the court in the playoffs, and he, here's what I'll say about Jimmy, and I think you would agree with this too. Jimmy Butler is one of the best postseason players in the NBA. Yes. He's not the most, he's not the flashiest regular season guy. He'll get you an all star appearance, but he's, you know, like he obviously takes it down a gear during the regular season, but in the postseason, this guy went toe to toe with LeBron James. Oh, that and, bubble, that bubble series yeah. was, yeah, was amazing for him. Like, like seriously, like I wouldn't have been mad if they gave Jimmy Butler that MVP of the of the finals. Yeah, like he could have, he had a strong case for it. Like I know that they didn't win, and obviously it was a pretty uneven series, but like. It wasn't because of Jimmy Butler. That's for sure. Like, this guy had, what, a 45 triple-double in one game, if I remember correctly? Or, like, a 45-point. Like, he he outplayed LeBron James in at least two of those games. Yeah, just imagine if Bam didn't get hurt for that one game. I think Miami Bam, might have It's like walked. two games, yeah. They might have walked away with that with that championship, but but let, let's go to the let's get back into our deepest emotions. Sorry, I, I'm sorry, I'm missing. Jim. I I wish Jimmy never left. But I, anyway, listen, I I'm on the same in the same boat with you, but let's talk about the disappointment. There has to be something that stood out in this game to you that disappointed you. What what let you down the most with this team? I mean, the low hanging fruit here is effort. Obviously, they just they did not seem like they wanted it. But I'm not gonna say I'm not. I'm that's the easy no, way. I mean, okay, I'll I'll say the effort. Yeah, I think the effort just wasn't there. Like, it felt like they were at treating this like a regular, like, or they were counting this as a loss before it even started. Like, and maybe like here's the grace I'll give Joel. He has a facial fracture, right? He had to fly down to Miami, having different pressures on your yeah. face going up and down on the airplane can probably make you feel like 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. That might be something I'm willing to, you know, and we'll talk about the MVP and how that could have possibly made him feel because Charles Barkley certainly said something that I want to bring up later, but Chuck is wrong, (laughs) but we'll get to that. Yeah, We'll definitely talk about that. Like, I think the effort, especially from like, I don't feel like the guards, particularly, like you could argue that on paper, Tyrese Maxey and James Harden is the best backcourt duo in the Eastern Conference in terms of pure talent, Mm -hmm. but they played like one of the worst backcourts. Like Tyrese Maxey did not look like he was confident at all. Miami made things really tough on him, and he couldn't couldn't figure it out. And you know, I'll give him a little bit of grace because he is a second year player, but we were kind of hoping for more. And then James Harden. 
that hot hand that we we saw at the end of game four was just it looks more like an anomaly than a, you know like a possible trend. Yeah, he Maxi missed some shots that he would normally make, and I know when he made I, that I, one long three, it was like, whew, there he is. <laughs> I, I I think he was just a little ruffled. I mean, it's, Miami's not an easy team to play against, and yeah. I think Mastros, you could argue he might be a better defender than Kyle Lowry right now. Right now, yeah, possibly. Yeah, he's not a better possibly. flopper though. No one can oh, touch no. his flop. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, you're still number one <laughs> yeah. flopper. Never forget that. So, so this this is what disappointed me. Hear me out here. Okay, effort, here. effort was low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. but it's it's very apparent. I'm yeah. going to go with Doc Rivers' inability to have any counter move for what Miami was doing to front and beat. They were refusing to let him get the touching the ball. Period. And even when they tried to dump the ball over, you know, over the people who mm-hmm. were fronting him. They were making life hell for him, and Doc couldn't do anything. I'm thinking, can you do a pick and roll? Can can you do like some high low action? Can you can you do some ISO like just anything mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. an easier shot? And there was too many turnovers that at, at that point it was just so far away from from their grasp. It was like, man, let's just get ready for Game Seven. And listen, when you're relying on a player who, like you said, has basically a broken face and a torn thumb. You need somebody to step up, and nobody on the bench, no role player was willing to step up or able to step up. I mean, that that disappointed me, too. So I will say this. In Doc Rivers' defense, there were some bad lob passes, you know, over-the-top passes that were made. Joel wasn't moving like himself either. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed this. But when Joel was setting picks, he wasn't rolling. He was more or less kind of floating. He wasn't trying to roll hard to the rim. If he was trying to roll hard to the rim, I think that would have opened things up. Is that because he, he's – is that you think because he's too, like, over-aware of his space with someone touching him or hitting him? What, what do you think? That well, is? I mean, you could certainly think that might be a factor after he got hit in the face. But you, you even saw it beforehand. And, like, the thing that I'm kind of thinking is – and tell me if, if, if did Joel just look tired the whole game? Mm. Mm-hmm. Did he look tired to you? Every time he took his mask off, he was squinting. He he definitely looks uncomfortable out there. To be honest, with you. so I I think that is affecting his aggression on the level of like doing like the small things like rolling and like he did not seem the same off the dribble, and that's why I don't think Doc went to any ISOs like. He's not seeing what we're seeing. I think he just didn't think that Joel had enough any in him to do that extra stuff. Part of it is, Doc, you got to get your players ready. But if you have to get your head coach to get you ready for a game five in the second round of the playoffs, then you, you have bigger issues than that. Yeah. Um, I think, but in terms of changing the offense, Tim Legler said this a while ago. I agree with him. I think it's time to give Maxi the keys. Yeah. I think yeah. it's time. Especially now. <laughs> Beat is hurt. Like Max, you can yeah, see him struggling. Like so Maxie's the only person Maxie's the only person on the team that can beat Miami's, you know, defenders in the half court. And Maxie's a good enough passer that if they double team him, then he can pass out and Tobias and James Harden or whoever are smart enough passers to make the right play after yeah. that.
All right, we're going to go ahead and switch gears, guys, and we're going to talk more about the MVP as it was broken a few days before um, today. The official results of the vote are in. Let me just go through it. We have about 10 finalists here. I'm going to name the top five here for us for argument's sake. Nikola Jokic, as we know, won the MVP, 65 first-place votes. Joel and B got second place with 26 first-place votes. Giannis Antetokounmpo had nine first-place votes, and Devin Booker and Luka Doncic round out the top five with one second-place vote for each, although neither of them got first-place votes. The other players on the list before I get there is Jason Tatum, John Morant, Stephen Curry, Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. So just looking at the top, we don't even need to do the top five. Let's just looking at the top three. Uri, your your thoughts. I felt completely annoyed, even though I, I felt that Jokic was going to win. But just hearing it and see all the posts on social media and all the arguing back and forth between I don't know, the few thousand Denver fans that exist and nobody else outside of Colorado versus pretty or much Serbia. all the basketball. Or, or oh, Serbia. You're right. You're right. But mm-hmm. listen, and, and you know, not to be the dead horse, and people have said this many times, look, Jokic is not even in the playoffs right now. And, yeah, I know this is a regular season award, but Embiid is – look, he's a warrior, man. This dude has is, is been hurt. Uh, he had to deal with everything going on with Ben Simmons, quitting on the team. And I have a new nickname for Jokic. It's not Joker. It's Mr. One Side. Mr. One Side of the Ball. Huh. Mr. He's amazing on offense, but on defense, we know he's a liability. Analytics has infiltrated the selection process of MVP, and it, it's ticking me off. And Bede had more to deal with. And one last thing, Lucas, before you chime in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying – Oh, I use the eye test. I use my eyes. Well, I'll, I'll I'll give you that, but I'll raise you something called what I call the clutch test. Because if you took Joel Embiid and if you took Giannis, not Giannis, you took Jokic, sorry, and you had a fourth quarter under 30 seconds and you need either player to take both the last shot and to protect the rim, who are you going to take? I think we all know the answer to that. And that alone should have gotten him the MVP. I don't care about stats. The regular season, they don't play defense. So, yeah, he got numbers, but he had no choice. If if he had Murray and, and, and uh, Porter Jr., he wouldn't have had those numbers. And all the Vorp and Raptor stats, you can, you can take that and go somewhere with it. Okay. So, look, I, I agree that Joel should have won it. But before I make my case for Joel, I'm going to give, you know, Jokic's flowers. I think any of the top three were worthy candidates to win, not saying that they weren't. Jokic is the best passing big man in NBA history already. I think that's fair to say, even better than uh, Ardronis from, uh, you know, Sabonis' is Sabonis, yeah. yeah. I can't I can't disagree with that. You're right. Um, so, you know, I can't. And he's a really good offensive player. You know, he he averaged 26 points on 63% shooting. You know, kudos. All that. Good rebounder, good, you know, has active hands on defense. But he's not a rim protector, and he has slow feet. That that being said, let's look at Joel here real quick, Uriah. First center since Shaq to average 30-plus points. Led the league. Led the league. Led the league. 
had more tw- 40 and 10 point games in a regular season than Moses Malone and Russell Westbrook in seasons that they both won MVP. Had a 40 and 20 game this season, too. We could talk about the narrative with Ben Simmons. Sure. And people will say, oh, the acquisition of James Harden hurt. But did it really, Uriah? Think about this. James, outside of the first five games that James Harden played it with the Sixers, James Harden has not looked like James Harden. Minus game, game Hello. Four. Hello. <laughs> and, like, Joel was still very much carrying that team. And, yeah, you could say that even, you know, even besides that, you know, Joel had a better supporting cast. Yes, but he did it in a tougher conference, too, in the East. Mm-hmm. So, but at the end of the day, MVP means most valuable player. Valuable player means somebody that impacts both sides of the court. Joel Embiid's a, are you know is going is arguably a you know all defensive team player this season. Like he said, he's he was healthy this season. He had he played the most games in his career. Eighty, I think it was sixty-eight, right? Highest of his career. Yeah. yeah. He asked, what else does he need to do? Joel, there's nothing else you need to do. You did it all. The voters just got it wrong. And we know that. And the history is going to reflect that. Just like how Sh- Steve Nash stole a season or uh, MVP from you know Shaq, y- you got one stolen here by a guy who can f- pass the ball really nice. But at the, at the end of the day, you're still in the playoffs. You're fighting for your team with a messed up thumb and a broken face, and Jokic is on his couch. <laughs> well, actually, they, he, he's in they, the stable they, with his horses. He's, he's okay, hanging well, with his horses. Seriously. My point is, is like, big fella, keep that chin high. You keep on doing what you're doing. NBA is going to have to acknowledge you at some point. And if they don't, mm. the Hall of Fame will. Mm. That's, that's, that's my message to Joel there. That's how I feel. But Uriah, let me ask you. Do you think Joel cared a little bit too much about winning the MVP trophy this season? I think just yes. I think Embiid is the type. He's grown into the type of player who, if you know his history, he didn't play basketball growing up like many of his peers. And he literally learned how to play. Get this, Lucas. The time when James Harden was in the NBA Finals, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, and B was just learning how to dribble a basketball. Yeah. So he's come so far so fast that when he realized that he had this unique talent, he really felt like, well, I really want to fit in. I want people to respect my game. So there's a humble side to him, but there's also a side to him where he needs to like make up his mind, right? Like he campaigned all over. He went on every talk show, which is, you know, you do one or two that I guess that's fine. But he went, he was all over TV. And then one side, Lucas, he says, oh, I don't care about that. It's all about winning a a championship. But then he comes back and keeps talking about what do I have to do? It's like, dude, just play. Let your play do the talking for you. You didn't hear a lot of the greats like Kobe and Shaq and MJ like campaigning for MVP. They just let their play do the talking. So I I think it was he is just a little too much. He could have just laid back a little bit. What do you think? So. Here's my counter to that. I don't think so, but here's the reason why. You know, sometimes star players need crazy, illogical motivations to sometimes get reach the level that they need to reach, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think Joel Embiid made himself fixate on the MVP so that he would play up to that level so that it would support the team. And yeah, he made a big deal about it, but he had to make a big deal about it in order for him to hype himself up. Mm. That's that's the way I w- picture it, it working out in his head because Joel is that type of player. And it seems a little bit nominal that he's focused on this, but at the same time, I can see why he would do it based off of how we know he, he thinks. I could be completely wrong, but that's just how I interpret it. Right. Well, no, no I, I mean, everybody needs motivation. And if that's what he did, then I guess he's was really driven to, to, to go there with it. But, but yeah, I just, I don't know. He, he's a, he's someone who wears his emotions on his sleeves in the first place. So I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not surprised. So our next question here, Uriah, is should the game league change the voting system for the media? And the reason why you made this in our agenda, yes. and I like it because I saw it prior to you making it, mm-hmm. is um, because Stephen Jackson hit social media, and we love all all of Captain Jack, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, from the we believe Warriors and just the uh, the the bra the you know malice and the was he there for the malice yeah he was in the stands he was he, he was had, in the stands yeah he was he was uh throwing blows with, with fans oh that's and right they, that's yeah. right he was on he was on uh Pacers wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah. that was yeah. his first year there too yeah yep yeah. so uh anyway so yeah no you know Captain Jack definitely is a colorful personality in the NBA now he's you know host co-host of all the Smoke podcasts with Matt Barnes. He's more of the relaxed, emotional guy where Matt Barnes is a little bit more of, a, you know, professional. But they're both, you know, pretty chill on the podcast. It's a good podcast. Um, Steven Jackson took to social media after the news broke about Jokic uh, winning MVP. And Jack had, you know, basically said, and I don't know, can we play the audio from that or is it too? No, I don't think it's necessary. You can paraphrase it. You want yeah, me to okay. paraphrase it? Or do you, you got I, it. I got it. Go basically. You know, he was upset with, you know, how the voters voted. You know, he believed it was all analytics. And he suggested that instead of, you know, the media voting for the MVP, it should be the top 75. So, Uriah, obviously this caught your attention. So what are your thoughts? I think he had a really good take. I watched it at least five times to really kind of understand his logic. At this point... It makes sense. I, I think it should change. Uh, and I was laughing hysterically at one point because he was calling the people who vote for MVP like these, they're, you know, living out their dreams through their keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Because, I mean, it's what we do, kind of, but like at the same time, we don't have MVP co- votes. So, you know. Right. His point was, is like guys who never took a charge, guys who never went to the line, you know, with, 18,000 people screaming against you like that matters for something. And his suggestion was like letting the top 75 players vote, which makes sense. But I would kind of add a little twist to it. I'll let you hear it. Okay. If if I were Adam Silver and I've been hearing all the grievances and, and the, 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 uh, the controversy about players not getting voted because of all these statistics, right? Mm -hmm. Why not? Instead of like all 75 players, because there could be a little bias in there, especially okay. by position, maybe you split it up just like I guess all star voting does. So let's say 50% of the vote goes to former players, 25% goes to media members. I understand that 
you know, maybe they have a, an opportunity to to give their take. But how about the other 25 percent of voting goes to MVPs of the other pro sports leagues, basketball, not basketball, but football and baseball and hockey in particular. So like a Mike Trout or Mookie Betts or Tom Brady, like get those guys to vote. They know what it's like to be an MVP and, and they don't really have any bias in there unless they play for a city that the, the NBA player plays for. But that would be my take. I, I definitely don't think it's perfect. I do think it's always going to be like this as long as 100% media members, who some of them are former players, but I, I see where he was coming from. So here's my counter to that. While I like it, and honestly, I thought you were going to say the last 25%, the active players. Um, I don't think other MVPs you can't say that they they might be they just might not know enough about basketball to rightfully say too so there's that that concern mm-hmm. but here's what my all I, I here's my tweak to it you all because not all five, all the members of the top 75 are still alive mm-hmm. but here here's my tweak you you give the top 75 except for active players. I don't think you can have active players because there's a level of bias there. So I, I think you just have former players do it and on, or you could just do former MVPs like people that have already won MVP, non-active players. You just get them as a, like a council, I guess of some kind and just have them make the final call or just like the top 75, but without the current players in the NBA, I think, Either one of those would work, and I would really like to see that. I think former players voting would be ideal. Yeah, and you would have to split it up. If the, if you stick to 100 voting members and 50% goes to these former MVPs or, or top 75 mm. players, 25 backcourt and 25 frontcourt. That way, because we know Shaq and some of these other guys are all for the big man. So I, mm-hmm. I get it. You want to have it unbiased as possible. And I just think anyone, even and listen, a lot of these guys, you've seen Bryce Harper supporting the Phillies. You've seen NFL players at the Sixers game in the front row. So these guys pay attention to, mm. to other sports. Yeah, maybe you take the top 50. Uh, maybe you take 50 members of the top 75 and have them be voters. I'm not sure. That's that's beyond my pay grade because I don't <laughs> get paid a lot for doing this. But um no, I mean, like, it's definitely an idea, and I think it's something that Adam Silver should definitely consider. Or, like, just have former players in the media do I mean, Kendrick Perkins voted. I mean, I don't know why, like, Richard Jefferson didn't get a vote. I'm, I'm like, disappointed in Jalen Rose, man, that dude. Okay, explain why. I'm curious. Because he, he, he was just riding Jokic. I'm like, dude, you play in the NBA. You know, you know how hard it is to be a top – two-way player and i think mm. and, and one by the way side note chris on the Jaylen last podcast two Jalen no, rose was never a two-way player okay? right but I, I i see what you're saying but side note chris in the last podcast was talking about oh yeah joel's one of the best two-way players in the league i say he is the best two-way player in the league in, in my opinion nobody impacts the game more than joel on both sides of the ball um, but but but, but uh, well, can you think of anybody else okay Okay, on the spot here, on the spot. two-way player. That is more impactful than Joel Embiid. All right, give me a second here. I'm trying to think of two-way players. Giannis. 
he uh, they're neck and neck. Giannis is more defensively versatile. You think so? He can guard one through five. I don't. I don't know if he. Well, we've seen we've seen him be like shut down you, players and for you know, guards. Play. But are you saying that you want Joel Embiid to guard Victor Oladipo for five or ten straight possessions? Well, how about how about I, let's I, look I, at I let's look at how many shots Embiid alters just by standing in the paint. I don't think Giannis. Okay, okay, does okay. That. Fair enough. But Giannis is more of a weak to side defender, and my right. counterpoint to that is, oh, you could say the same thing about Rudy Gobert defensively then. And no, do we two really want to two-way a guy in offense? You, okay, I, I understand. I'm just saying, do we really want to give Rudy that type of de- credit on defense? Not really. Okay, Chris. Then, Chris would. I know Chris would, but you know he's not here right now, so we don't have to tell him. Shh. <laughs> but no. Um, in all seriousness, no. I mean, he's probably a top five, you know, two-way player in the league. I certainly would have Giannis over him, and maybe that's an article we could do in the off season. I'm I'm more if you want to go for that Uriah you're you're more than welcome to I would love to read it, um and edit it but yeah I I think the argument could be made that he's a he's top but I I wouldn't say easily for sure, but I think on that note um let's just get to our last question here real quick yes or no we don't really need to get into it too much, but Uriah do you think Joel V will ever win an MVP? In it? Unfortunately, I think this was the prime time for him. I, I don't think he will. Number one, because of his health is a, is a big question mark every season. And the other factor is look how many young stars are just emerging and getting better every year. Mm-hmm. John Morant, Devin Booker. Jokic isn't going to go away. Giannis isn't going to go away either. Yeah. And, and don't forget about Luca, man. So it's, Luka, yeah. it's going to be even tougher for him in the subsequent years to, to get that trophy. What do you think? Yeah. I, I'll i be the optimist here, and usually you are, but I'll be the optimist and say yes. I think he has one more healthy season, and I think he'll take one more step in his playmaking. If he can get around six assists a game, which I don't think is impossible, I, I think it's possible that he gets an MVP. But, like, either that or, like, Jokic or Giannis gets hurt, and then, like, Luka comes into training – camp fat again and <laughs> like that's okay to be real like yeah lucas probably wasn't in the top three purely just because of that yeah um which is scary if you think about but you know i i think he has a chance i'm not gonna say for certain that he will but i think there's a chance all right so game six will be in philadelphia thursday night Pretty much everybody's holding their breath uh, in terms of like who's going to show up. Are we going to get the Houston Harden from Game Four, or are we going to get what we got the other night? Uh, is Tobias going to show up? Is Max going to show up? Let's let's make some uh, predictions. But first, let's start with some coaching moves. What what do you think Lucas Doc Rivers has to do in this game to force a Game Seven? You got to make everybody else beat you. Because if Jimmy Butler gets going, then that team gets going, and then, but if you can slow down Jimmy Butler, you double team Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. Anytime they touch the ball, make everybody else beat you. Because the rest of these players are just role players; they can't create for themselves, not continuously. You take the ball out of their two hands, you have a shot. I think you got to double team both of them on the catch. 
especially Jimmy. Yeah, I think a double team would definitely disrupt what they have going on. I, I would just say that Doc just has to have these guys look at tape from game three and four and try to replicate whatever worked. It's easy to pull away from a team when you're making shots, so hopefully some some home court familiarity with the rims will help the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And as far as the other thing I think they should do, Doc, give them something they haven't seen yet. There's so much so much talent because they're getting used to that 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 zone now. Yeah. They're getting too comfortable to that. Yeah, e- even if it's getting Paul Reed some more power Yeah, I would play him a- alongside Embiid more just to throw something different out there. You know, because because yeah, Embiid's not getting. You can see he's he's tentative to go up for rebound. So put someone next to him who's not afraid to go. And Tobias just for whatever reason he doesn't like go after ball. He cannot. I saw him just not jump on a rebound like dude your ball was right there so they need effort and i would throw something different at him yeah i think that's fair so uh next question lucas who other than joel Embiid, do you think is critical for stepping up in this game six i think the low-hanging fruit that i'm gonna you know pick here is is tyrese maxi i think they've probably only lost one game this postseason where he scored over 20 if I remember correctly. And that was a 34-point game in game two. So you got to get Max involved early. And as an added uh, extra twist, I would run more pick and rolls with Maxi. Have Like I said earlier, Maxi needs to take the keys. I would run more pick and rolls with Maxi and let Maxi do what Maxi does. Give that guy space and he can do something special. I think we all agree on that. I thought you were going to say the low-hanging fruit was James Harden, which is what I'm going to say. Okay. Listen, he's the most experienced, like, starter. He makes the most money, and we gave up substantial assets just to get him here for the purpose of carrying the load when Embiid can't. So I'm just going to say, James, he has to step up. If we get game four James Harden, we will win this game. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But Tim Legler said something very important after game one. Or before game one. If we're talking about James Harden the next day, we're probably it's probably not a good thing. If we're talking about Tyrese Maxey, it probably is. Hmm. I still hold true to that. That's an interesting take. So let's just go to the predictions, man. What do you think about game six? Oh, gosh. I don't know, man. This Sixers team is kind of hard to predict. Um, they, You know what? They came out and business last game six i'll say they'll do it in game six again i was a little negative earlier in the podcast lucas yes you were i'm gonna be captain optimism here i think we have them right where we want them (laughs) Uh, if you say if you say so so right where we want them the whole time this was the plan so listen the last time the sixes were down two three the sixers came back and forced the game seven now we didn't end up winning no series in Toronto in 2019 and last year against Atlanta, but we were down two, three, they handled business in game six and they forced the game seven. So I think the Sixers will win Thursday night. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Now, if they get to game seven, I'm going to say this. I thought game five was a must win so we could avoid game seven, but we'll we'll certainly see. Um, you're you're right. Let's let's switch gears again, and we're going to cover this real quick. Unless you wanted to add something. No, I'm glad you brought that last point up. I just have to say this, and I'm not even playing around. If mm-hmm. the Sixers play a game seven 
in Miami, I cannot watch the game. I will. Are you gonna go? To, are you gonna go to uh, some to the mall and just shop? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to walk around the the empty mall. It's like it's like a ghost town there as it is. No, I'm going to shut my phone off. I might watch Ozark or something, but I, uh, if I try to call you, you're going to ignore me. No, I no, I'm just going to shut my phone off. <laughs> I, I'm going to shut my phone off. I'm going to watch something on Netflix, and I'm going to wake up at six in the morning, and I'm going to check my phone, and that's how I'm going to learn. That's if they. I can't watch it. I can't do it. It's you can't do it. Too much. It's too much. I can't. My heart can't take another loss. Devastating. All right. All right, fair enough. Um, and before we get to the last subject here, I know it's not – we kind of passed it already, but I, I did want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. When Joel beat MVP last year, did he have a drop-off game in, against the Atlanta? Because I kind of felt like he did. you remember that? Oh, you mean when Jokic won it last year, didn't he yeah, have a bad game? I don't yeah. – I really don't remember. Okay, I, for some reason in my head that I feel like that might have happened. I'm not sure. Like, don't quote me on it, but I kind of feel like anyway. Is that your Barkley point you were bringing up? Yeah, that's what I was yeah, thinking about. Barkley. Yeah, talk about that for a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Barkley after the game said that sometimes when you don't win the MVP, it will make you mad, and it could go either way. And what he meant by that was that it can either you know motivate you. Or it could get you so much in your feelings that unintentionally it distracts you from the game. And uh, I think he was insinuating that it was the the latter of which I just described with Joel Embiid against the Heat that night. So, what are your thoughts, your real quick on that, Uriah? I think that's such a snap judgment. It's completely wrong. And Embiid is playing with a broken face and a broken hand, and he's playing against the best defense in the Eastern Conference, probably the whole league. So, what is Barkley talking about? I mean, yeah, of course he wanted to win it, but I highly doubt that Embiid woke up the next day and was just like had tissues by his bed and was, you know, looking for attention from people on, on social media. I, I think he had a, a goal and that was to win game five. And unfortunately he didn't play up to, up to his level of expectation. Yeah. I don't, maybe they just partied in Miami too much the night before. Who knows? You know, I that certainly... wasn't, you know, that wasn't MB partying. Oh, you know, no, we know which sixer that was. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Dewey. Yeah. Dewey. I think I think yeah. we have a good guess. Anyway. And we're gonna talk about the other playoff series right now. I think right now while we're recording the Bucks and the uh, no, wait a second, the Bucks and the Celtics just finished their game, which was um Milwaukee won one oh ten to one three. So now Milwaukee leads the series three two. Chris I'm not sorry, sorry, Chris must be talking about me. Uriah. Yeah. What's your yeah. thoughts on this? Well, look, the highlight was it wasn't even a basketball play of the whole series is when Marcus Smart tried to give him a hand, Giannis a hand, and, and they were kind of Giannis didn't want any help and he kind of kicked Ooh. him. So that, that tells you that the competitiveness is is all throughout the series. And, and see, listen, no, that's not my play of the game. No, no, no just, just I'm just being facetious, man. But, okay. Yeah, I'm just being facetious, but but yeah, I mean Al Horford all of a sudden came to life, which makes you wonder why he didn't play play like that for the Sixers. Jalen oh, Brown, yeah, that's, that's a can of worms that I would love to open in the offseason. 
we know he was a spy. But anyway, I think <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a, it's the series that we all thought it would be. It wouldn't be. They're both two really good teams, defensively and offensively. And to expect someone to sweep the other, I, I didn't expect that. Look here, here. I've said this before. I'll say this again. Whoever wins that series is probably going to win the Eastern Conference. Like without a completely healthy Joel, I I just don't see it happening for the Sixers as much as I love the Sixers. And then Miami just does not have the size to deal with that team. Or, like, yeah, no, they just don't have the size. Yeah. They're a small team. Like, Bam is 5'9". 6'9". Sorry, not 5'9". 6'9". There's, that's a big difference. Um, Huge difference. About a foot, actually, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, yeah. If I know my math. that's Whoever wins that series wins the East. Is going to make the NBA Finals. And could very well win it. Because the West looks a little shaky right now. Hmm. which is what we're going to jump into next year. Uriah, what do you think of the Grizzly Warrior series? Uh, uh, John Morant, uh, I, one of the few players that I would pay to go see in another city. Uh, Memphis has surprised everyone in the league, probably even themselves. And to, to know that uh, Poole, Jordan Poole, did what he did against Ja with the leg, that that's very disappointing, and the Warriors are probably going to go on and win, but but yeah, this has been an ugly series with all the texts and, and flagrants. This has you know what the series has reminded me of the mid- Heat Knicks. Well, I mean, yeah, you could certainly go there. I was thinking more of what I've actually seen, which was like a Detroit series with the you know Chauncey Billups Pistons. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, one who. It was Ben Wallace, and was it against the Cavs? It might have been the 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 Pacers. Was it the maybe they were they did not like each other? Those no, teams. they didn't. I was thinking about how much they beat up on LeBron. Honestly, oh okay, you remember oh, that when series? he was young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. He was young, they yeah. loved beating up on young LeBron. But like, yeah, no, seriously, that's this is that this is that same level of physicality. Like, honestly. Like both teams need to chill out a little bit. Yeah, like, I <laughs> he, like, I mean, we're both old school guys, but like, this is getting. Dur- I mean, let's think about this. Let's talk about all the Gary like, Payton back- Junior. I mean, even yeah. before we could talk about Draymond's, you know, horse collar tackle. Yeah. Then we could talk about Gary Payton Junior getting taken out midair, which is probably one of the most dangerous plays I've seen in the NBA since like maybe the Derrick Rose injury. Yeah. Which I mean wasn't even really dirty, just kind of happened. But like one of the most like maybe Sean did Sean Livingston have contact when he went down? I don't think so. I think he was on a break, and when he landed off a dunk, okay. he landed awkwardly. I think. okay, okay, okay. Well, like, but you know what I'm saying though. It's one of the more like, uh type of like yeah, defenseless player play that I've seen in a while. And then Draymond Green got elbowed in the face. And then now we have um, Jordan Poole thing, which I couldn't really tell if it was intentional or not. I, I couldn't Lucas, say for certain. With his right hand, he pulled his knee towards him, and with his left hand, he pushed him in the back. So that that was not a basketball play. That was very apparent. I'm me. just surprised he didn't get, you know, for how many texts they've called for that series. Like, it's it's one of the most physical series I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. And I really hope this is not Derrick Rose 
Yeah. Really hope that's not the case because he's a fantastic talent. Um, but you, he's thin, athletic guys with knees. You got to watch out. You got to watch out for those knee injuries. Yeah. Um, so then our last series, which has honestly become a really interesting one here, is the Suns Mavericks. So what what do you think about that series? There is some animosity there. I think that CP, who's been around the block, you know him and J Kidd got some bad blood. Yeah, that too. But the the whole Luka Doncic thing is like now they're like ganging up on him, and you know mm-hmm. he's a young guy. And he's making a name for himself. He's quietly averaging more points than Michael Jordan in all playoff history. So, um, so he. <laughs> Only MJ and Wilt for the most points uh, for the first twenty games yeah. in the NBA postseason, and that and that says a lot. And it's it's so funny to watch a, a a guard try to like talk smack against a bigger player, and then the bigger player just backs him down like Luca does CP and just mm-hmm. shoots over him. And it, listen, we know that Phoenix is probably going to win this series, but good for Dallas putting up a fight and. um you know, surviving a couple games without their star player. And let's and listen, see what shout out and real quick, Jalen Brunson, Villanova Wildcat alum. Oh, he's gonna get paid. He's gonna summer. get paid. And if he had his own team, he would average 20, 24 points a game. Okay, so let me ask you, where do you think he goes this summer? Do you think he stays or do you think he goes somewhere else? Uh the D- Dallas can offer him the most money, right? I, I think they have his bird right. So yes. Yeah. I don't know if he's restricted or not, but it here, all depends on if he wants his own team. I mean, if, if here's he pulls, the thing: does, does do Dallas th- does Dallas think he's a true number two? I don't know. He's I too small. Know. He's too small to be. A, he's probably a number three, to be honest. He's but they, he's going to get paid like a number two on the market. Well, his dad, Rick Brunson, who yeah. played for Temple, he's like he said it himself. Look, my son is getting paid, and good for him if he wants his own team or like he wants to be a focal point kind of like what jeremy grant did i mean people were like why did would he leave a good situation in denver he did it for money so i don't know we'll see i my guess would be it's probably the knicks they were basically scouting him in the first round anyway i can see that they were not they were not very subtle about it i'll i could use a guard they haven't here's a crazy take here if i'm the knicks I take a flyer on Russell Westbrook. Can you imagine no. Westbrook? No, no, no. Just hear me out. You get off of Kemba Walker. You get off of. Uh, you can get off of Evan Fournier. Maybe another bad contract, like maybe like Norman's not well. Or you can flip it and just say, you know what? We're gonna embrace Obi Toppin by Julius Randle. Julius Randle, Evan Fournier. Take one year, Russell Westbrook. Only one year. If he sells you tickets and gets you to the playoffs, awesome. If not, you don't have to stay with them. Lucas, the New York Knicks do not need help selling tickets. They sell out almost every game. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. No, they they do. I, I don't <laughs> know, man. Sure anyway, but no, like, well, you get what I'm saying, though. It's kind of like, uh, okay, so, yeah, and just for record, that series right now, um, Phoenix is up 3-2, but it has been a slugfest. Yeah. Huge. It's been a slugfest, um, and Chris Paul has been up and down in that series too. But I'll say this: if Chris Paul can get out of this round, I think the other team that he's going to face is going to be too beat up. Like Possibly. losing Gary Payton Jr. is a big thing, and they still don't have uh, they still don't have James Win- uh, Wise James Wiseman. 
And like against a guy like Aiden, that's going to make a difference there. Probably. Like they, they've been playing small so far this postseason. Like they're going to play, play Looney in this series. And then outside of Looney, they have Bailitza, who until the season was a power forward. So let's see how that goes. I'm, I'm not like, I, I think Phoenix has that series if they play against the Warriors or even if they play against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but yeah, no, it's certainly a, a fun second round for all teams involved and all fans who are rooting. But yeah, no, I, I just, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think it's that time. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, uh, bid you, farewell. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So okay. for everyone who tune in to the six or cents podcast, uh, Lucas and myself, we greatly appreciate it. If you have not subscribed, please go to iTunes, Google Play, Audible. Find us wherever you play your podcasts and check us out for hopefully more, more playoff basketball discussion. We'll we'll find out next time. But until then, go Sixers. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.